The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we have declared in song that you're the king of our hearts. I pray that you take our time together here today and make that declaration more and more of a reality in each of our hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I need to take a look here. You, you guys excited? Ready for church here a little bit? I, I had to check. I don't know if you all saw all the Bernie memes out there this week. Uh, Bernie on a gurney and weekend at Bernie's and everything like that. Somebody sent me one that had a pic, they had the Bernie with the mittens on the one side and it said, this is what the Pentecostals look like uh, when they don't like what the pastor's saying. But the other side said, this is what the Baptists look like when they do like what the pastor's saying. Uh, and then sometimes I, I really can't tell. So uh, I just want to see what y'all look like, see if you're ready for this today. Uh, we are going to talk, boy, that's a, that's a pleasant word there, isn't it? I'll start off with that word up there, the word hate. Um, I mentioned in the little um, uh, connection this week that we sent out that... Uh, Sometimes driving a bus, substitute bus driving, you get a little education or you get your uh, vocabulary expanded a little bit. Not always bad, uh, but one time you know, this little girl comes up to me and she says, uh, bus driver, he, he said the H word. Well, I wasn't even sure what their standards were as far what they're allowed to say and not. I mean, here I say the H word sometimes uh, fits in better with the sermon but than what theirs probably does. But, I, but then she said, he told me he hated me. I didn't really know that was the H word, uh, but, uh, and, and to be honest with you, I still wasn't sure how to react. My first thought was, well, that's maybe because you tell on them all the time, uh, but I didn't say that. I thought that, but I didn't say that. I wasn't sure exactly how to respond uh, to that, but definitely, you know, a word that uh, it just, it, that's, you have to use that word. I mean, do you have to say hate? But that is the word that our scripture passage is going to use today as we look at it. And I'm sorry, one other quick little bus story here just to set this up. Uh, one day I, I'm driving the, the bus. I pulled into over at Eagle Lake Elementary. And uh, the lady that drives the bus behind comes in and she parks beside me. All of a sudden she jumps off her bus, parks her bus, and comes running over. I thought, man, what is wrong? And uh, there I am sitting in my own little world. And uh, she says, there are two kids just beating the snot out of each other back on the back of your bus. And she had seen that as she pulled in. I looked back, sure enough, uh, one of them was just standing up, just pounding on the other one. So I got up and walked back there, and all the other kids were just sitting around. Nobody was watching or cheering or anything like that. They were just all just sitting there. And turns out there's this brother that's in maybe first grader. And he is just pounding on his fourth grade brother. The, and the fourth grade brother has one of these puffy coats. I don't even think he could feel it. In fact, he's still sitting there playing with his little machine. And the kid's just pounding away uh, like that. And I kind of said, what's going on? And there's this little kid sitting across the aisle. Little kid has a crew cut and big old glasses. And he goes, it's okay. They have kind of a uh, love-hate relationship. That's <laughs> <So>, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so... So anyway, but actually that is what our passage is going to lead us today is somewhat, if you want to say this, of a love-hate relationship. We're going to look primarily at John chapter 15 today. And John chapter 15 starts off with the passage about us being the branches and Jesus is the vine. 
Uh, around here, we'd like to say that we need to be, first of all, connected, and we want to help people connect to Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's the first, I think, 11 verses. I really emphasize that, uh, number one. Our second thing we want to focus on is helping people connect to each other, to the body of Christ. Well, the next passage in John chapter 15 actually talks a lot about loving one another and goes into that. And then it goes into the third section uh, where it says that you are going to be hated by the world. And that's really what we're going to look at today. But how's that fit? You know, our third point, okay, we say connect to God, uh, connect to others, and then connect to your purpose around here. Well, our purpose is, of course, uh, we want to share God's love. We want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth with others. We want to carry out what Jesus gave us as far as the Great Commission and commission of telling other people that they are loved by God. Well, how does that work that we are to, if you want to say it like this, we are to love the world. We're to share love with the world. But yet John himself in his letter, he wrote, and he said, love not the world, either, neither the things that are in the world. If anybody loves the father or the world, the love of the father is not in them. So he says, you know, you can't, you know, how does that work? How's this love-hate relationship work? Because we are definitely to love the people and the individuals, but yet at the same time, the system of this world, a system that the Bible describes as being marked by the love of the, or I'm sorry, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it says you can't love that. And it is, in fact, going to hate you, okay, if, you, if you're following me. So let's go ahead and uh, move into our text to kind of look at this idea to understand uh, that we can actually expect to be hated. But why? Why is the world going to hate us? If the world hates you, Jesus said, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of this world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, then they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will not do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Just one thought, when I see that phrase, my name, and thinking about this whole idea of him being hated, I don't know if you've ever you know, thought through this, but the only name that is ever used as profanity is the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we were at a church outing one time. Actually, it was a church staff outing at a friend's house, and we were playing volleyball. And there was a good, it was a good-sized church. There was a big group of us out there. Well, when I mess up and I yell at myself, I scream, Dan. My name is Dan. Uh, in case you wondered why I would yell that. But uh, apparently the neighbor came over and complained uh, because I thought these are church people, and I heard so much cussing out there. Uh, so I have had to revise when I get mad at myself. I have to say Daniel. Uh, that, that helps uh, a little bit better because she didn't understand. But uh, th this name, this this name, let me, let me go back there. You, um, if you didn't. I'm sorry, verse number 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. So Jesus in coming has brought an individual responsibility that people don't like. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done anything among them, the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both, uh, both seen and hated both me and my father. Okay, because I came, I pointed out uh, their wrongdoing. They're not very comfortable with that. But let's go back and, and these verses that we just looked at looks, you know, specifically at some reasons why we might be hated. The first one I think we must realize is that one of the reasons we might experience the hate of the world is because it does not own us. 
Now, Jesus said in verse 9, number 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But you are not owned by the world. Okay? Now, let's kind of explore that a little bit. Uh, we used to have uh, involved in schools to have fundraising days, they would have what they what we called servant days. I don't know if these are still around. Actually, we didn't call them that. I've made that more politically correct. But they would sell the different members, like of student council. They would auction them off. I don't know if schools still do that or not to raise money. Like you can bid, and uh, you know, and that person becomes your servant throughout the day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Been there. But, uh, you know, I'd be in charge of that uh, because I work with the senior class and we sold off all the, all the kids and they were supposed to work. The day was full of this complaint over and over again. So-and-so is not doing what they're supposed to do and I own them. Okay, and they're not, all day long I had to feel those complaints because they would come up with ridiculous things for their person to do, and the person was like, I'm not doing that. Uh, they have to because I own them. Well, sometimes the world looks at us in disgust and uh, because we cannot be bought. <laughs> My mom and I, back when I was in high school, and this thought should bring fear into your hearts, but uh, we used to do duets. Uh, mom was a really good singer. I did not sing, but I would do speaking parts. Now, why I have... How this brain works, I do not understand. Because why I can still remember word for word the parts that I memorized in high school, but I have no idea why I got up and walked in the kitchen. You know, I, I, don't, I don't understand how my brain works like that. But I remember one of the lines from one of the songs that I said. It said, God has always had a people. Oh, wait, let me go back. There have been charlatans, it refers to chapter 8 of Acts, like Simon the magic Magician, who sought to barter on the open market that power which cannot be bought or sold, but God has always had a people. This is inspiring, isn't it? Uh, God has always had a people, men who cannot be bought, and women who are beyond purchase. Okay, you're ready to stand up and cheer? That was, that was a beautiful thing. Here, picture my mother. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. My, picture my mother in the background singing beautifully. But God has always had a people, men who cannot be bought, and women who are beyond purchase. We can say to this world, we're not for sale, that we're free. Now, that is not an excuse to be flippant towards the authorities that God places in our lives, like our parents, okay? It doesn't mean that at all, but it does mean that I'm not dependent on this earth. I'm sorry, on this world, okay? And here's what I'm saying by that. I do not depend on this world for my worth. I do not depend on this world for my provisions. I do not depend depend on this world for my salvation. So therefore, I don't have to be ruled by other people's opinions. And, and again, I'm not just suggesting we be flippant or rude to people. You know, with this whole idea, we don't want to be, you know, deliberately, the world's going to hate us, okay, get that, but we want to make sure it's for the right reasons, if I can say it like that. Not because we're jerks, you know, not because we're pompous and arrogant and self-righteous. We don't want to hate because of that. We need to understand that in following Jesus, is going to hate us anyway. But I, one of the reasons is because I am free. One of the reasons uh, is because I can practice. Josh preached a few weeks ago on Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, that uh, we're not to conform to this world. Uh, the paraphrase of that is don't let the world force you into its mold. And we can live like that. We do not have to be forced into the world's mold. And we can sometimes say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry you don't like this in me, but bottom line is I don't answer to you. Or bottom line is, you know what? My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not going to worry too much about what this world thinks about me. And I can live with that freedom. But sometimes that's kind of frustrating because, wait a minute, we don't control them anymore. You know, they're not. 
and, and folks, this, this is so important and so freeing that I, that I hope you get this because I watch people all the time and, and they are slaves to what people think about them. I mean, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so worried. I, 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 don't, I don't say this to mock you uh, because I hurt for you, but sometimes I'm afraid so-and-so, you know, just bothered because I did this or this. And, you know, I'm kind of like, well, did you do anything wrong? <laughs> no. Did you do it in the wrong way? Well, no. Well, then that's their problem. And honestly, that is, sometimes you can just live like that. That is their problem. If they want to hate me because of this, I can live like that. But sometimes that drives people crazy because really they can't control us anymore. They don't own us anymore. I was asking today, I always like to make sure that I'm not using real old lingo. So I was asking some of the younger folks today, like if you're playing basketball uh, and you were just destroying the person guarding you, you're scoring points like crazy, they'd always say, oh man, he owned you. Is that still done today? Is that, that's still there. But, uh, but we, you know, but we, he owned you. That, sometimes it's that idea, we could just say, hey world, you do not own me. Okay. Now, the second thing Jesus said, he said, you're not of the world yet. That's not where you belong. But then he, he went in and he said, this business about the servant is not greater than the master. And it is that idea that the world hated your master. So you had might as well expect that if the world hates your master, it's going to hate you too. In fact, I would even say this. If we're not ever experiencing any hatred from a world, maybe we ought to ask ourselves, why not? Because if we're following Jesus and it hated him, maybe there's some place where we ought to actually be experiencing something like that. See, Jesus is called a stumbling block or an offense. Um, Isaiah 8.14, uh, it says that Jesus is a sanctuary to some, but the stone of offense to others. When Jesus, as a young child, was taken into the temple, some of you might remember an old man there who waited to see the Lord named Simeon. And he prophesied the same about Jesus. He said, some of the children of Israel, uh, he, he will be a rising for some, but a falling for others. Because for some people, Jesus actually is that offense. That's what Paul said. There's an offense in the gospel that we cannot take out of the gospel. And we need to understand that as followers of Christ, because this is what happened with him, we are going to love people and not have that love returned. Therefore, a church's goal, and listen, a church's goal cannot be to be liked, okay? Can, cannot be to, hey, this is what everybody wants, so therefore that's what they get. I, we can't do that because I can't really even do that as an individual. There are some things about the message of Jesus Christ that are going to be offensive. Let's take a moment aside and just explore some of those things about Jesus. Uh, some of the things about the message of the gospel that people are not going to be too crazy about. One of them is this. His unique glory. Okay? Now digest this here for a second. Unique, and, and it is all His glory. In other words, it's all about Him, which means it's not all about me. And I have to confess, I don't always like that. My sinful heart does not like that. It wants it to be. It wants life to center around me. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To proclaim liberty, he said, uh, he, of course, is the only son of God. He is the only sacrifice for sin that is acceptable. And sometimes we look and we say, why? Why just him? Um, I did not hear all of this in its entirety, and, and I, did, I did not see it. But I heard part, the closing of a prayer at this week's inauguration. 
And uh, the closing of the prayer, the, the man prayed, he said, you know, to the glory and fire or something like that. But then he, he, then he said, then he said, I pray in the, I'm sorry, I, I re-looked it up this morning, make sure I got this right. I pray in the name of the, of the, I'm sorry, in the powerful name of the collective of our faith. Let me say that again. He prayed in the powerful name of the collectives of our faith, a collective of faith, of our faith. Okay, I'll be real honest with you. I don't have a clue what that means. Okay, you're, you're praying in the power of your own faith in whatever your faith is in. And I, I'm not, please understand, I don't think like, well, I'm the authority and I'm smarter than this guy and anything like that. But I listened to that and I thought, well, that's politically correct. You know, that's, that's probably what you're supposed to say. That didn't rub anybody the wrong way. We're going to pray in the, collect, you know, in the name of the collection, collectiveness of our faiths. But what the Bible says is there is no other name but the name of Jesus, okay? And I'm not going to be starting that as a tradition around here, praying in the name of the collection of our faith and whoever it is you want to believe in, okay? Whoever that guy is or whatever like that or whoever you happen to believe in, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. But that you might be listening now. You might be listening online or listening here and say, I don't really like that. You're making my point exactly. This is not popular. Okay, the idea that he is unique, that he is the one and only way, that doesn't sit well. Okay, wait, you may, you're telling me, now that, that can't be. Are you, you're telling me, wait a minute, are you saying everybody else is wrong? Yeah, I really am. That's exactly what I'm saying. And this uniqueness about Jesus Christ, that he is the one and only, does not sit well. Man, just like Satan did at one point, is constantly trying to snatch at the throne of God. My sinful heart is constantly trying to snatch at the throne of God and take back the rule and the reign. King of my heart, it, it, I'm not suggesting we should not sing it, but, we, but as we sing it, we want to also make that a prayer that indeed he would be the king of our heart because I desire to be the king of my own heart. Somebody has said that what the world has done is turn the Christmas message upside down. Remember the message that came to the angels that said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Sometimes we turn that around, glory to man in the highest. And here on earth, well, we're going to do what we can to, to have peace with God. And basically, a lot of times it's as long as he's doing things the way I like him to do things, then we can have that. And we've gotten to the place where rather than saying, king of my heart, have it your way, uh, what we're doing is we're commanding him. God, you are to stay out of the public arena. God, you are to stay out of my private life. And that this, this, this happens, and this doesn't sit well. So again, if you're, if you're listening to me now and saying, okay, I don't, I don't like that. I understand. <laughs> I understand completely. My sinful heart goes the same way. I, I, I wrestle with this because of my own sinfulness. Wait, it's all Jesus? It's only Jesus? That's the, that's the only way? How can that be? A second thing about the message of the gospel that people would find very offensive in some cases. By the way, when I say offensive, uh, when it's used in the Bible, it's not talking about just, um, I don't like this. You know, you've offended me. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but they, it, they find it to be a, a real stumbling block, stumbling stone is what the Bible talks about. In other words, this knocks me off course. Not, I don't know how to say this. This is the deal breaker. Okay, yeah, I can go to church. I can live with what you're saying so much, but this, this only Jesus business, that's a deal breaker. I understand, but I'm still going to proclaim it. 
because I believe it is true. Okay, if that, if that makes any sense. This idea here, too, <laughs> we're, not, uh, we're not all that anxious to admit our needs. Yeah, I know, I, I know my marriage needs some help, but no, I'm not going to go for counseling. Yeah, I've been struggling with this over and over again, but I, you know, I don't really need you know, professional help. Uh, I don't even want the pastor to know I'm struggling with this because I can beat this and I, I can do this. I was out uh, a couple weeks ago. I ran into a former student, which happens a lot. And uh, <laughs> the sad thing is, I, I almost always can recognize the young ladies. They don't change that much. But these guys that I used to teach, and they were, you know, these young teenage men are now bald and have a belly. And I don't recognize them all, all the time. So one guy, he was like, hey, Mr. Thomas. I was like, hey, old guy. <laughs> just, I didn't know who he was. Uh, but he's talking to me, and, he, and, and we got talking for a little bit. And he says, I remember the time, you know, here's what he remembers about all the years I taught him, six years I taught him. I remember the time you dropped the television set. I said, thanks. Meaningful teacher I was, you know, great truths that I imparted into his life. But there was a day I was carrying the, the box TV. I was carrying it down the hallway. As I walked in, the cord caught on the doorknob, and I lost it, and it just bounced into the classroom. I mean, kids will remember that. Uh, they have no idea what I taught that day or what I taught any other day, but he remembered that. Remember that time you dropped the TV into the classroom? But uh, as I, the, the sad part about that, as I was walking down the hallway, at least three people said, Mr. Thomas, looks like you're struggling with that. Can I help you? <laughs> no, I got it. You're struggling? No, I got it. I, I can handle this. And so often, you know, understand that the message of the gospel is going to offend our arrogance doubly. Because it's telling you, first of all, you need a savior. And secondly, <laughs> or you need saving. And secondly... You can't do it yourself. And that doesn't sit well with us. Um, we, you know, th this whole idea of my dependency on somebody else I don't receive. So we have two things so far. Okay, we mentioned that uh, his unique glory and our desperate need. The third one, I don't have a slide for because I added in a little bit after my slide presentation was done. But, but it is very important. So I'm going to pretend to click. I meant to pretend to click. Okay, you see a new slide up here? Here's what it says now. It says, God's... So sovereign freedom. Okay? Here's a third thing about Jesus that people don't like. His sovereign freedom. Okay? Think about it. Here's what that means. That means nobody gets to tell God what he should or shouldn't do. I don't really like that. That means God doesn't answer to anybody. It means that he is God. He's under no obligation. He's under no limitation. There's a story in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus is just beginning his ministry. And uh, he's beginning to do some healing, things like that. And in the course of the conversation, uh, try to, we're trying to jump in in the middle here, but in the course of the conversation, he says to those around him that are, that are asking him questions about it, he says, understand this. He's, and he goes back to the Old Testament, and he says, in the Old Testament, there are lots of different people that had leprosy, but Naaman was healed. In other words, he's saying not everybody was healed. I chose to heal Naaman. Okay, it's a, it's, a, it's a story from back in the historical books of the Bible. And he says there's also a story from the time of Elijah where there was a, all many women, many widows who were starving. They had a great famine in the land, and I chose to care for this one and feed this one. And the Bible says that when they heard this, they became angry. When they heard this, 
they chased him out. This idea that God is sovereign in what he does and that we, we really don't you know, get to tell him uh, what, how we think he ought to run things, that doesn't always sit very well. That is why there are so many different man-made gods and idols, is because man wants a God that he can control. Man wants a God that fits how he thinks God ought, ought to be. Man wants a God that uh, created more in his, him, his image than the other way around. And these things, so, so pastor, uh, not a real popular sermon. No, it's really not. I'm telling you very specifically, though, uh, the truth, and that is the message of the gospel cannot ultimately be made palatable because there are some aspects here that goes, go against our sinful heart. There's some aspects of the truth about God, and we need to, we need to understand that. You know, if we just, again, if we just want a God who fits exactly how we want him to be, sorry, I cannot offer that to you. Okay, I have to preach what is the message that is truth. Now, one other thing that I'd like to uh, t take a moment and just look at as far as the reasons why we might be hated, and uh, I just want to show you one word, but first of all, let's read uh, the next couple verses. These are the last couple verses of Luke chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 15. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. So he just is quoting the Old Testament there. But when the helper comes, okay, capital H, that is God, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I want to jump ahead to our one word here, and that is this word. Another reason why we might be hated is because of conviction, okay? If I preach, okay, if I teach, if I share the best case possible, especially in today's environment, it is very possible for you to ignore me, okay? Honestly, and first I'll say it like this, who am I? <laughs> you know, who, who is this guy? Why should I listen to him? Why should I believe that he is right? Uh, you know, why should it bother me what he said? And basically people are like that today. There's not a whole lot of people storm out and say, oh, I didn't like what he said. And says, oh, that's his thought. That was his TED Talk for the day, and we'll move on to one that we like better, and we'll just pick out one like that. It's no big deal. You can ignore, a lot of cases, what a man would say like that, but what the Bible says in the last verses we read is that God has sent his spirit, and his spirit teaches us that truth, and that message that gets right in here, okay, that message that gets right in here that shows me, that tells me, honestly, you need a Savior, that message that tells me the truth that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, uh, that's not very popular, and I don't like that. And sometimes, you know, our very presence in people's life kind of remind us of that message that God's Holy Spirit spoke into our heart and brought a conviction there. I don't know about you. I don't like to have my needs and my sins pointed out, okay? In kind of a silly illustration of that, I'm walking through Martin's one day, and uh, they have these arrows down, which way you're supposed to go now. Uh, honestly, I never see them. Uh, and I'm walking, and somebody pointed out to me that I was going the wrong way. <laughs> and I kind of felt like uh, people hate you because you're always telling on them. Uh, I kind of wanted to say, say that again. But I, I really, I mean, I don't respond well to correction. I don't respond well to conviction. I don't respond well. Uh, you know, when even, you know, you get, my wife's like, well, you need to talk about something. <laughs> Oh, no, what I do? Uh, I don't say, oh, good. Uh, please point out something that I've done wrong. I, I'm not, I don't respond well to that, that at all. My sinful heart doesn't. So the idea of conviction, uh, God bringing conviction in my life and, and showing me my need of him, sometimes just I'm going to move the other way. 
I don't want to respond to that at all. I'm going to back up. These are the first verses of chapter 16, but they fit well with, uh, with 15. Jesus said, I have, he's telling you why I told you all this. I, okay, I've said these things to keep you from falling away. In other words, you know, again, we, we have this message that sometimes, you know, hey, follow Jesus, everything's going to be easy. I, I want you to know right up front, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that if you follow me, the world hated me. So you're going to experience some of that hatred. I want you to know that up front. And I don't want this to knock you, knock you down. I don't want this to knock you over. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And that's definitely what happened to many of the early followers of Christ. Still happens in some parts of the world today. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when this hour comes, you may remember what I've told you. He said, I want you to, kind of be, I want you to be prepared. I want you to know this. And you know, I mentioned this, you know, as, as we've been reading through John, there's some things that stand out. And I wanted to point out last week, one of the things that stands out to me so much is how Jesus is drawn to people who are hurting, people who are suffering, people who have needs. Jesus is drawn to sinners and caring for them. But this is another idea that stands out to me as, as I read through the life of Christ. You, we want to paint this picture that, hey, this is easy. I heard one pastor say he thinks following Jesus is the hardest thing you'll ever decide to do with your life. <laughs> Why? That'll recruit them. That'll get a big crowd in. Hey, come here. We got the toughest thing you'll ever, you'll ever face. But Jesus wanted to be real. And he said, hey, because of who I am and you're following me, you're very likely going to experience, in fact, you will have some that hate you. Now, I want to do one more thing just to talk a little bit about you know, this, this love-hate battle here, a love-hate relationship, uh, even that we have in the, in, with the world. I mentioned to you I'm a big oldies fan, and the uh, Motown is the absolute best category of that, if anybody wants to know. Classic Motown is when the Supremes and the Temptations teamed up. Uh, and that was, that was just, I mean, just doesn't get any better than that. Uh, but they had a song some of you might remember. It's, uh, I'm going to make you love me. Anybody? I'm going to make you. Oh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm going to use every trick in the book. Anyway, uh, now, great tune. Great, great tune. Should be on the top of the charts all the time. However, truth of it about love, not good. <laughs> As is typical with many songs about love, they miss the truth altogether. But it is this idea, hey, I'm going to, you know, it is, can you hear the selfishness in this? I'm going to make you love me. and Stuff like that. On the other side, there was a movie out a few years ago starring Kirk Cameron, which I, I think he is a great guy, uh, not the best actor in the world. Uh, but the movie is called Fireproof. Some of you remember that. But in this movie, he is determined he's going to rescue his marriage. He had messed it up, but he's determined that he's going to do everything that he can to rescue, everything that he can do to rescue his marriage. And what he decides to do is love his wife no matter what. No matter how she responds to that love. He's going to go ahead and love her. It doesn't matter if it makes her love him. He's going to love her no matter what. Understand, I believe, that that is the type of love that we are called to give. Okay? I'm going to talk about this love-hate relationship. I'm to love, but I need to understand it may not be reciprocated. In fact, in many cases. And you see, Jesus' love was not about giving people what they wanted. Jesus loved in such a way that he gave them what they needed. They may not have wanted. In fact, many did not want a suffering Savior. 
You know, why should I follow him? He was crucified. Why should I follow him? You know, he, he ended up suffering like that. People may not want someone who calls them to repent of their sin. People may not want someone who says, I am the way. But we need to understand, am, or am I explaining this somewhat pretty good, this love-hate thing? You know, because, <sighs> honestly, just between you and me for a second, I, I see this a lot of times in uh, the way the church has tried to approach things. You know, whatever we do, we need to make sure we're keeping people happy with us. Okay, we need to make as many people happy as we can. That's how we fill up the building. But God never really said, hey, get the biggest crowd you can possibly get. Okay, that's not a calling on my life at all. The calling on my life is to teach and preach the truth. And I realize wholeheartedly that, that in some of the things I said today, you might be like, this only Jesus thing, I am buying it. I get that. I understand. I can apologize for myself saying it, but I can't apologize for the truth of the message. That is the message. Okay? That, that is the message that we'll proclaim. I mentioned the conviction of God's Holy Spirit that, that he sends. And I, I just want you to know this. If now, right here, God's Spirit is pointing out to you your need of a Savior, I want to promise you that's not me. Okay, I can be ignored easily. Okay, I'm goofy. I have weird gestures. <laughs> People are nodding. Uh, I have weird gestures and weird things. You know, I watch myself on the, on, since we've been videoing this, you know, I, I watch myself sometimes and it's really depressing. <laughs> you, you got some issues there, buddy. Uh, I, I understand that. I, there's nothing that I can do to persuade. But under, so I understand that if that message is, is hey, come on. See, see, I remember, I remember a day that I sat in the service and for the first time I heard that God had died for my sins and wanted me to trust him as my personal savior. I remember going, whoa, wait a minute. And I walked out the door of that church, but it didn't go away. Right there, God was still saying, come on, that is the work of God's Holy Spirit. And if he is drawing you, I, my prayer is that he won't, he won't let you alone until you surrender to that truth that you need a savior. You need Jesus Christ. And I want to mention the uh, folks are going to come back up and we're going to do a closing song and then we're going to be dismissed. But I want to mention I'm always around here afterwards. Uh, I'm available during the week. Um, I could introduce you to somebody or I would love to talk to you if you have you know, more questions about that. It really is not all that complicated. It's me saying I can't, uh, I can't make myself right with God and I'm not right with God because of sin. But what Jesus did on the cross I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to trust what he did. I'm going to trust that Jesus has paid the price for my sin. I'm going to put my faith in that. Truth is, you could utter that prayer in your heart even as you're sitting here right now and I'm talking. But that's what God is calling us to, to believe in Jesus Christ. Remember when we started the book of John? He said, I'm writing all this to you. Number one, I want you to know Jesus. Number two, I want you to believe in him. And uh, he said, believe in me as Savior. That is the key to eternal life. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.